As we prepare to read God's Word this morning, we actually have two scriptural lessons. We are going to ask God to illuminate us with God's grace and understanding. So let us pray together. Gracious God, we do not live by bread alone. Let the heavenly food of the scriptures we are about to hear nourish us today in the ways of life, abundant and eternal. Through Jesus Christ, the bread of heaven, we pray. Amen. Our first reading comes from the Hebrew scriptures, Isaiah chapter 25. We're reading verses 6 through 9. On this mountain, the Lord of hosts will make for all people a feast of rich food, a feast of well-aged wines, of rich food filled with marrow, of well-aged wines strained clear. And he will destroy on this mountain the shroud that is cast over all peoples, the sheet that is spread over all nations. He will swallow up death forever. Then the Lord God will wipe away the tears from all faces and the disgrace of his people. He will take away from all the earth, for the Lord has spoken. It will be said on that day, Lo, this is our God. We have waited for him so that he may save us. This is the Lord from whom we have waited. Let us be glad and rejoice in his salvation. And in from the New Testament, from the Gospel of John, in the 11th chapter, we read beginning at verse 32. When Mary came where Jesus was and saw him, she knelt at his feet and said to him, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. When Jesus saw her weeping and the Jews who came with her also weeping, he was greatly disturbed in spirit and deeply moved. He said, where have you laid him? They said to him, Lord, come and see. Jesus began to weep. So the Jews said, see how he loved him. But some of them said, could not he who opened the eyes of the blind men have kept this man from dying? Then Jesus again, greatly disturbed, came to the tomb. It was a cave, and a stone was lying against it. Jesus said, Take away the stone. Martha, the sister of the dead man, said to him, Lord, already there is a stench because he has been dead four days. Jesus said to her, Did I not tell you that if you believe, you would see the glory of God? So they took away the stone. And Jesus looked upward and said, Father, I thank you for having heard me. I knew that you always hear me, but I have said this for the sake of the crowd standing here, so that they may believe that you sent me. When he had said this, he cried with a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. The dead man came out, his hands and feet bound with strips of cloth and his face wrapped in a cloth. Jesus said to them, unbind him and let him go. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. A member of the St. Stephen's family recently sent me an article from the British publication Financial Times. 
from October. And the articles is titled, The Darling Buds of Decay. Article was written by Tabby Jackson G. The title of the article is a play on words of uh, the title of a book and a dramatic TV show in Britain titled The Darling Buds of May. You can actually watch that online for free. It, uh, you might recognize a couple of people that became famous much later. G's article is not, though, about the book or the TV show. It's about a new wave, she says, a new wave of garden design in which garden plants are not just considered for their colors in spring and in summer. The author writes, Now plants are being chosen for their spent form, not just for their midsummer color, but their autumn seed heads, grasses for their texture in winter, and shrubs for the color of their bare branches. Doing this, the author states, encourages us to look at nature in new eyes and celebrate the beauty in decay. For many, this is where we find solace in gardens. They remind us of what is ethereal, fleet, and transient. There's a 10-foot by 10-foot section of a garden right in front of the townhouse that Carolyn and I rent. We're responsible for its care, but it was there when we moved in. And in the summer, it's packed full of purple coneflowers and uh, black-eyed Susans and many other varieties that I have no idea what they are. I've told you before about my gardening prowess. It's not much at all. But we enjoy them, and they're also enjoyed greatly by the butterflies and by the bees. But instead of enjoying the tall and beautiful shapes of their spent forms, one day in late August, Carolyn gave us an assignment, a honeydew list. Some of you, us might know it by. And she gave me the clippers, and I was supposed to cut those uh, beautiful, tall stalks right down as close to the ground as I could. And it seemed like it took forever. After, I don't know how long actually, the garden was just absolutely almost bare. There were a, a few small plants and, and lots of old dandelions still hanging around. Now reading that article from the Financial Times I began to long and think about that day, and I longed for what had been standing in that garden, even in its dead form, those shapes, those, that beautiful mound of, of spent flowers. For me, G's article speaks not of just new trends in gardening, but it speaks loudly to me and I hope to you as well as we gather on this All Saints Sunday. G begins the article this way. She says, I was recently reminded of the folk song, The Parting Glass, thanks to a serendipitous plane on the radio. It's a song full of joy and sorrow. It makes you want to grieve and rejoice at the same time. 
trending the, the line between happiness and sadness and life and death. All Saints Sunday, not gardening, was what first came to mind when I was thinking about that article, The Darling Buds of Decay. Because you see, today we sing a song full of joy and sorrow. All Saints Sunday makes you want to grieve and to rejoice at the very same time, trending that life between that line between happiness and sorrow. All Saints Sunday is a day of remembrance for the saints meaning all Christian people of every time and place. We come in thanksgiving to give thanks to God for the saints and their presence among us and how God has used them in powerful ways to touch you and to touch me through their lives. Our United Methodist liturgy reflects the depth of the saints' work in our lives, and that it doesn't just end at their death. As we give thanks, we can read in our liturgy for all that they have given us to make us who we are, and that we can remember their influence that lives and grows still, still in each of us. On daylight, Days like today, the line between happiness and sadness is thin indeed. Yet in our sadness today, we have come to celebrate the saints and the promises of God for all the saints and for us. John Wesley, the principal architect of the Methodist movement in England and certainly in the colonies as well, had a particular appreciation for this day in which we remember the saints. In a journal, journal entry, and he wrote a journal, uh, he was uh, a prolific writer in his journal, uh, in November of 1767, he wrote this, that all saints is a festival I truly love. In 1788, he writes, I always find this a comfortable day, a day of of comfort. And then in the next year in 1789, he calls it a day that I particularly love. And why not? Today is the day that United Methodists and other denominations and non-denominational, we celebrate the lives and the children of, of God. We, we celebrate how they have served here among us and on this earth and, and now how they enjoy God's company in heaven. This is not to be a day of just sorrow, but to be a day of, of joy and gladness. In, in Isaiah 25, we read a, a portion, we read a portion of a song of, of gladness and of joy that is sung in the midst of tribulation. Isaiah makes a decision, a decision to praise God. We didn't read verse 1, but verse 1 says this. It says, O Lord, you are my God. I will exalt you. I will praise your name. 
You see, Isaiah has made a decision. A decision has been made because, you see, worship is never just a feeling, even if it's an intense feeling. It's never just a feeling. Worship, worshiping God, is a decision. And the saints made a decision to worship God with their lives. And we are to worship God as well with the decision. And when we do that, Isaiah promises that when we make such a decision, you and I will see as worshipers an unlikely victory. Now, the story of Israel is full of unlikely victories. Freedom from Egypt came through the sea. And then, of course, with the fall of Jericho came in an unlikely way. And young David, his victory over the giant Goliath, another unlikely victory. And, of course, there are so many others as well. But in Isaiah 25, Isaiah predicts the most unlikeliest and greatest victory of them all. The death of death. Isaiah writes, the Lord will swallow up death forever. And Isaiah encourages us to be glad and to rejoice in his salvation. But the death of death is only a part of God's plan to usher in God's kingdom. You see, all people, both Jews and Gentiles, a, a united people of earth will sit together in fellowship at a earthly feast. The feast will feature the best wines imaginable, the, the choicest meats usually reserved only for the gods and, and certainly for us that are vegetarians, I'm sure the greatest greens. And he will destroy on this mountain the shroud that is cast over all peoples, the sheet that is spread over all nations. He will swallow up death forever. Forever. In John's gospel, the raising of Lazarus is the final and the most spectacular of seven signs or seven miracles. The others are the miracle of the water turned into wine, the healing of the royal official son in Capernaum, the healing of the paralytic by the pool in Jerusalem, the feeding of 5,000 beside the Sea of Galilee, and Jesus walking on water, and the healing of the man born blind in Jerusalem. The healing of Lazarus is the crowning sign in John's Gospel. Compared to other Gospels, John contains no parables at all. And compared to other Gospels, Jesus declares himself at every possible turn. He often follows his miracles with descriptions of his identity, of who he really was. And the, right, the raising of Lazarus follows this very same pattern. In the miracle 
publicly makes Jesus' identity known to all who were there and to all who have read the story. Jesus, Jesus, it seems, intentionally delays his trip to see his friend Lazarus until after Lazarus has died. You see, instead of just healing Lazarus, he resurrects him from the dead. Jesus had told Martha, I am the resurrection and the life. Those who believe in me, even though they die, will live. And everyone who lives and believes in me will never die. You see, this is the one who went up against death and won the match. Not just for himself, but for us and for the whole world as well. The victory was Jesus. Lazarus was raised from the dead so that you and I would know that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. And we too in faith, praise the Lord, we too in faith can, can grasp Jesus' outstretched hands that's reaching out to us even now. Who reached out to us in our baptism who spoke our name, and who never, ever forgets your name. That's a great thing to remember on this All Saints Sunday, but not just today. It's something to remember each and every day that Jesus is closer than we can possibly imagine. He's closer than our very breath. It's not us that, it's us that are far. It's not Jesus that is far. And today we grieve and we remember this day the saints. But we remember not as those who are without hope. Because you see, we know where they are. We know. They are already with the Father. They're not lost. They're already united with Jesus in their eternal home. What does the prophet Isaiah say? Then the Lord God will wipe away the tears from all faces, and he will destroy on this mountain the shroud that is cast over all peoples, the sheet that is spread over all nations, he will swallow up death forever. And so we can celebrate the victory of Jesus and our victory in Jesus. Where, O oh death, is your victory? Where, O oh death, is your sting? But thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. May all God's people say, Amen, Amen, Amen. Let us pray. Lord God, we just give you thanks for Jesus, for the victory he had over death and the victory that he has given us as he has reached out to us and given us a name a name that is never forgotten in him. 
Lord, we thank you for your amazing faithfulness, for your promises, for your victory that has given us and the saints that we love so very much victory in Jesus. Amen.